Hi, and welcome to the Council of Fathers podcast. We're here to talk about this wild journey we call fatherhood. I'm Noah Goldstein. I'm Dave Bonayuto. And today we're talking with Tim Hare. Yeah, Noah, I am excited about this episode. We've been we've been trying to get this going for a, for a little bit, and um, I'm just I'm really excited to have Tim on the show today. Tim, among other things, is a dear friend, and um, and I'm just so excited about what Tim is up to. Tim is a wilderness and adventure guide who has worked in outdoor and intercultural education for for over 20 years. He's been guiding personal expeditions throughout the U.S. West, Alaska, the Andes, Patagonia. Nepal, including mountaineering treks and trips. And he leads people through the natural world and through the internal world of personal growth. And among all his accolades, he's up to this thing called Left to Wonder. And he was with my kiddo today. He was with Rafi today, my my 10-year-old leading nine kids, I think, today through hiking and preparing for an overnight trek and just uh, just awesome stuff he does with, with the kids up in some beautiful property and ward. And so much to say about Tim, but just really grateful that you're here, Tim. And I'm, I'm happy to, to have you on the episode and and also can't wait to have you share this adventure that you're about to take some dads on so dads listen up thank you dave thank you yeah (laughs) that is um a lot of fun to to hear i I appreciate that Mm. and i get i feel like i get to know your kids sometimes better than you with all the work we do through wonder with the nature connection program so (laughs) It's also good to share this time with, with both of you. Yeah, if you could just kick us off a little bit with sort of, you know, what you're up to these days. I know you've had some big transitions and you've had some big adventures lately, but what are you, what are you up to? Yeah, gosh. Well, the majority of my focus right now and what I'm, what I'm working on is that nature connection work is really working with, you know, with kiddos and with adults to try to heal a bit our fractured relationship with the earth and and with ourselves and with each other. So the wonder nature connection program is built out of that. And this Aret expedition that we'll talk about is also built out of that. I have the privilege of of stewarding uh, land near Ward, Colorado, a piece of five acre kind of mid altitude land that my partner and my kiddos and other just dear friends and, and community are stewarding. So this summer, we've kind of been up there working on rebuilding a shed and renovating an airstream and running these nature connection programs. And so, yeah, it's been, been such a gift. Uh, my bit, you know, of my, my history that brought me there is I, I've been working in experience education for many, many years, 20 plus years sort of evolved from conservation studies to outward bound, you know, outdoor guiding work. And then a lot of my life's kind of been, I feel a bit like a jellyfish, just like not really planning much and sort of at the whim of the tides. And, but instead of like the tides, I think my anchor has really been mountains. So 
uh, most major events and decisions in my life have just been guided by kind of proximity to mountains. My partner and I were both, uh, you know, by the statistics, unemployed for the last couple of years since the pandemic. And so we're, we're on a pretty significant path to decondition and change our lifestyle and kind of step outside of the status quo, homeschooling our kiddos and yeah, just kind of peeling back those layers of like pattern behavior. I think we sort of joke that we don't really have a good sense of where we're going, but we know like where we don't want to go. And we know sort of what we're leaving behind and kind of chiseling away, sort of like a statue or just like a compass bearing. So it's a, yeah, a lot of uncertainty and a big adventure as a family, but it's exhilarating. Yeah. So that, that's where we're at right now. Tim, I feel like not to like idealize your life or anything like that, but I feel like you're, you're, you're living a life like I would have lived under other circumstances. Um, I remember back in my twenties when I, I was thinking about outdoor education, it's like a career path. And I remember just yeah. thinking like, all the adventure stuff and like I was like how am I going to raise a family like that and rather than figure it out like you are doing I sort of chose to take a more conventional um, I don't know yeah. are you more conventional maybe not but like <laughs> yeah. just yeah. it's all relative yeah, yeah. um so it's, it's it's all we know how to do really so it's kind of it's like kind of <laughs> easy in the way that it flows for us it'd be hard to you know, when we tried to do a salaried sort of, um, you know, ordinary Boulder lifestyle, it, it often yeah. felt very uncomfortable <laughs> to us. Mm. So this is like actually a little bit more back in our comfort zone. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you say comfort zone, but to me, in my language, it seems like you're, you're more aligned, you know, with what feels right and true for yeah. you. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a certain like <clears throat> attunement to what's right, you know, and I, and I guess you, yeah, you're describing that as, as comfort, but it, it, uh, I, I happen to know you've had to face a lot of discomfort to, to mm -hmm. live the life that you're choosing to. Yeah. And I love how you're talking about, like, you know, it's, it's, there's this way in which your, your work as a guide and your your role as a father or as a part of your family is really that that line is really getting closer and closer mm -hmm. uh, it seems that your your work and your family life are getting closer together yeah yeah and thank you for that reflection I think that's so true I feel like before the pandemic when we were laid off from really amazing work it gave us really a lot of good kind of soul vocational type of work working with an international experiential education program so much of our life was just like logistical setting up how our family could you know manage each other and move around each other and and that feels like pretty normal for a lot of folks and since then we're gosh we're like no more than four feet from each other when we sleep oftentimes mm -hmm. in our little trailer or you know our kiddos we're able to get to know them and when they want to participate in the programs they're with us along with the gift of so many other kiddos in the community. So it's that alignment of vocation with family, with community as well. That's one of the things that I think we always struggled with, like modern definition of work was the ways in which it alienated us from those core functions of home and family and, and things like that. Yeah. 
it's it's not always easy for you know for the kiddos or for us as partners, but being able to work through that in a really neat way that is really timeless. I mean, that's how humans live most of their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Really deeply integrated with one another. Um, that's that's something that we're trying to hold on to and, and figure out because it's not it's it's definitely not that easy in, in the modern world with most money being made outside of the home and kind of in a fairly abstract way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that's clear uh, that that you're getting closer to as you remove some of the distractions is this thing that you call wonder, and that <clears throat> I think Noah and I like to talk a lot about with dads as well as a sort of a necessity for child development, you know, mm-hmm. that, that wonder is essential. So I wonder if you could tell us like, you know, how did, yeah. where did wonder come from? Where, where did this yeah. name come from? And, and, um, and tell us a little bit about the programs. Yeah. What's really fun about that too, is, you know, I'm a follower and love the the work that you all are doing and how deeply you engage with, you know, conversations around fatherhood. You're just so skilled with this, both of you. And when listening to the soul-centric parenting episode, um, I think the most recent one or two back, you know, Noah used that word wonder as well as a way that soul can kind of emerge into our world. And that's really what we're, what we're aiming at. We, Shannon, my partner and I have lots of conversations about wonder and it's such a such a funny, it can almost be trivialized in the modern world. Like, oh, wonder, it's like so childlike, but it's actually one of the most core essential states of being for allowing deeper experiences to move into our world and for allowing us to, to tap into kind of that deeper well of wisdom and, um, and our soul calling. So, so wonder is in a lot of ways what we're aiming at, but we're also aiming at the kind of childlike state of wonder, like, oh, this is, you know, playful and fun and joyful and the history of it, though, which you can you know read about a little bit on our website, is that when we purchased the land that we currently steward six years ago, there was a Wonder Bread sign on the land, like an old metal Wonder Bread sign that was rusted out on the sides and like the most sterile, modern kind of creation, <laughs> Wonder Bread. <laughs> um, and it was from that sign that we actually hammered out the metal and framed it out and it became this, this like reappropriation of, of the word that, that we, that we're able to do in the sign, you know, it said wonder enriched bread, build strong bodies in seven ways. And so we changed it to say wonder enriched land, build strong bodies in mm-hmm. seven ways and had that mm-hmm. kind of as our, um, you know, sign entering into the land, onto the land. And that's what gave us the, the word actually. We said, that's what kind of brought us into just conversations about like, Oh, maybe wonder is it, maybe that's like really the core yeah. thing that we're trying to do you know, I love that for adults and kids (laughs) taking it back. We're taking back wonder. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. All right. It's like, Oh, it's not just like, wow. Can you believe that humans have made this food? It's not really even food. It's like a core state of being. Yeah. And that that's what they chose to call it. Yeah. Wonder like, wow. Can you believe it? (laughs) Right. The wonder of processing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm picturing you coming down this afternoon with, those mushrooms in your yeah, hand it's like yeah the, it's like the opposite of wonder bread. <laughs> <laughs> totally definitely can't be created in the lab nope only only emerges through like fire and soil conditions at the right moment for you know mushrooms to pop out yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so cool so yeah go and ahead wonder, i mean i just it it points to something that's 
kind of an innate quality for children, Mm -hmm. but that a lot of the containers and structures of modern culture and society don't don't allow for or don't encourage or you know almost minimize and so it's really beautiful to hear about a program and you know hazel got to go to to one week of of Mm -hmm. the camp this summer too that that is like creating the space for that to emerge for the kids yeah and then and encouraging it and and of course that it's you know that nature is a part of that it just Mm -hmm. seems so natural yeah yeah, thank you. And it was, uh, gosh, getting to know Hazel. That was my first kind of like ex- extended time with her as well. And she's amazing. She's amazing. And she's so connected. She has that, you know, she absolutely has that, which obviously goes to how you all as a family live and parent. And yeah, I think our aim in, in a lot of our curriculum development is to create space. One of our most inspiring mentors who we'd love to work with at some point we've just read his books and heard his talks is john young who runs the wilderness awareness school and or used to and has other projects mostly with like bird language and and other currently deeper kind of nature connection and culture change work their their approach to planning was to plan a week or plan a day or plan a workshop and eliminate 50 percent of what they plan just like like take themselves out of the way and allow that spontaneous space that really you know, is what makes it makes a difference between the sort of magic and wonder filled space from it, it distinguishes that from a, a class or something that you just kind of move through a bit more mindlessly. So yeah, we, we we're inspired by that. And the more we kind of get out of the way and let kids be in a wild place, it, it allows that wonder to really emerge. Um, so that's a big part of our pedagogy as well. When that, I mean, you use the word emerge right there. That's mm-hmm. one of the principles of of emergent strategy Mm -hmm. less planning more presence right and you Mm -hmm. know and and dave and i can speak to how many times we've sat in a council with fathers Mm -hmm. with the whole plan of what we're going to do that evening and then rather than stick to the plan you know Mm -hmm. we just follow the magic and yeah it's yeah definitely and it's good to have a plan and uh you know have definitely to do the preparation work and keep that really open spacious spontaneous type of uh, possibility to you know to see what comes up when given the, the chance totally that's that's how music happens right you watch someone like charlie parker or, or, or Jimi hendrix and it looks like it's all spontaneous it's all improv <laughs> but they know their scales inside and out. And so there's a structure and yeah. within that structure emerges creativity. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's, that's what happens up on the land. I mean, I'm remembering just walking with the kids and, and your kids on the land and you and Shannon are always mm-hmm. walking with wonder, mm-hmm. like, you know, Noah to see Tim yeah. see a mushroom is like it's so exciting, you know. He's like, "Oh, check it out!" Yeah, yeah. Um, partly because I'm such a novice as well, but you know, which is great. I keep the yeah, beginners right. beginners mind, you know, totally children's eyes. Yeah, but that like vicarious reinforcement, right? For the mirroring that's happening, the modeling, like that. That when my children see you get excited about something in nature, mm-hmm. it it 
yeah. impacts them. <laughs> you know, they, they learn it right away and mm-hmm. um, they come down, they come down the mountain different than they go up. There's, there's something transformative happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works. And it sounds like there's an authenticity there, right? Like kids can, can smell pretending to be mm-hmm. excited about mushrooms from a mile away. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm curious, like what, what do you think has supported you in cultivating that quality of wonder, that openness, the curiosity and, or, 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 you know, maybe it's not something you cultivated, maybe it's something you never lost from childhood and because of how you grew up or yeah. What, yeah. where does that come from for you? Yeah, that's like most things related to ourselves, such a hard thing to pin down. First, I would say I do see myself as such a novice in so many things, or maybe as more of an amateur, you know, in the way of the root of the word as a lover of of a certain thing. And I think that at least with some of this work, I it is a practice for me because it's not necessarily my innate tendency. I think my partner Shannon is much better with slowing down and creating space to wander, which again, no, I really appreciated you mentioning wandering in the um, soul-centric parenting as a, you know, practice as opposed to hiking. I'm, I'm generally much more of a hiking oriented person with a destination or a certain objective. Uh, so she's really helped me learn how to wander, how to move without a certain objective. And, and that is just such good medicine for kids and for adults as well but kids that's like that's how they want to move in the natural world many kids don't necessarily want a destination they just want to wander wherever their curiosity takes them and so for me i think that's that's a more recent practice i would say in terms of how i move through the natural world and i really appreciate that it's a it's a huge gift that shannon's given me but kind of the deeper part of that question i would say is i have such a an aversion to i guess like complacency i i really like challenging myself and trying new things and that's something I've really struggled with as a father as well because I think sometimes for me fatherhood gives us a oh I don't know an excuse or a reason to be become more patterned creatures you know routine and structure and things like that and I I just have this like core belief that that slows us down and um, makes life less interesting makes years go by makes us take shortcuts and make mistakes as you know um ecological creatures and so i think drawing from how animals move or how humans have lived over the years allowing for a more spontaneous approach to each day is 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 what i really aim for and I, yeah again i think i have a bit of an aversion or like a an allergy to to routine and pattern behavior, which look at the state we're in. This is, this is where, you know, I think it's something Shannon and I kind of share and um, we're not necessarily given to like, um, yeah, to, to each day feeling the same. Uh, so I think that helps with the wonder, like seeing the possibility with each day and each new path we could take or decisions we could make with each day. That's like an aspect of wonder, I suppose. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. I wonder if you could um, just describe the land a little bit, like, oh yeah, what's it like up there? And then, yeah, what 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 do you do up there with programs? Yeah, you know, one of the cool things about the land that sort of sits between Boulder and Lyons and the you know Front Range of Colorado and the High Peaks is that it's somewhat of a forgotten zone. It's not a place that people hang out too much or 
go hike or, you know, so we're at 8,500 feet. It's kind of like a middle montane Ponderosa Douglas fir type of ecosystem with two big meadows. So it has a bunch of edges, which create a lot of ecological and biological diversity. And it's fairly flat, which is nice because left-hand canyon in particular, where we are, is a very rugged, steep canyon. And so the fact that we have two relatively flat meadows is uh, is a huge gift in that in that terrain and so we get to spend time yeah in an area where i think it's not usually seen as like a recreation place it's not usually um you know when people come from boulder they usually go up to the high peaks in rocky mountain national park or you know the indian peaks and it allows us to see these this like transitional zone where a lot of migration happens on the margins of the season birds migrate up and down elk there's you know elk and moose pathways that run through the land so in that way it's a it's like just so vibrant and we and we get to just kind of post up there watching it happen as the season's gone uh, the land was burned two years ago and the left-hand canyon fire was kind of ground zero for that fire which has been uh, a complex process of grieving of sadness at times anger it's clear that it was human started, but also this, this ability to observe a unique period of time where there's magical things happening ecologically that might not happen again. And, you know, in our time on that land, um, the ways that fire enhances biodiversity and creates species that wouldn't be there otherwise mushrooms and birds like the mountain bluebirds, these, you know, vibrant blue birds are there for this short period of time just living in this post-fire ecosystem and so we get to witness that we get to witness the new growth on the wildflowers and the one of the things that is such a powerful part of wonder is that the kids get to see it year in you know year after year and as they grow the land grows and changes and so a lot of the the kiddos with wonder in the last few years have been able to see it go from pre-fire to pretty intense fire and then witnessing this succession when a lot of them are getting into their double digit years, they're, they're changing and their relationship with the land is changing. And so that's, that's one of the things that's super exciting to, to look forward to as, as our crew of kiddos grows, grows older and the land continues to change as well. It's, it's really, I mean, one thing I'm, I'm hearing as a theme in there is this sort of, um, well, the the idea of like in between, right? This land is sort yeah. of like in between the, right. the the lowlands and the highlands, mm-hmm. and that, that it's sort of in between being burnt and being fully Absolutely. back to its peak. And it's and also there's these different areas of it that you spoke to the ecological diversity that's created by meadows and and the, you know forest trees areas. Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't been there yet, so I'm excited to get to. Yeah. to make it up there the time um, is, is near <laughs> yeah yeah and also like the wonder camp that's happening in the summer which is sort of this time that's in between the rest of the year in this way it's like mm-hmm. you know you finish grade x and then you're in between mm-hmm. the two grades and then you kind of go into grade y and, and yeah yeah just um just the way that is all holding yeah holding that Cool. I love that. I, lo- I actually have not thought about it in that way as this, like, I mean, in some ways, 
you know, a transitional space, a liminal space. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, that that's it. That's where we are. (laughs) Fully, you know, fully dove into the liminal space on this land, which is perfect. Mm. And it's its own space as well. You know, it's not just a passage through, but it, but it is, there's a lot of aspects of that that is very transitional. And historically humans have not lived there year round. That to my knowledge was like a summer place for a lot of, you know, plains communities. And you see that when you're up there in the winter, it's actually like pretty harsh, harsh place to live, but a lot of people do it. And uh, yeah, so, so it is that kind of transitional, maybe not meant to be permanent kind Mm. of feel up there, Mm. which is kind of everything in general, right? That's life and ecology and totally right. Everything's constantly changing. And maybe this is a good point for us to transition to learn Mm -hmm. about some of the other work that that you're doing yeah so i think for me working with the age group that we're working with currently with wonder has been real makes a lot of sense and it's been seamless with my own journey as a dad i have an eight and a ten year old and we've been able to (laughs) you know at times there's like a bit of a challenge like okay are we running programs for our kids ages and as they get older or are we trying to be like okay like these are the programs we run and we can bring in new kiddos because we're we're most interested in some ways in like participating in and following our own kids journey as they get older but we, we want it to be accessible and you know a diverse enough uh, audience to be able to just like run quality nature connection programs for kiddos so we're, we're trying to keep that in check and it's uh my, most of my work historically has been with young adults and with adults and so the Arete expedition that I've uh, currently been working with takes place in September. It's a four-day mountain expedition for fathers and really kind of connects with or merges a lot of my core interests and abilities, which is a merger of mountain guiding, outdoor education, facilitation work, and my current interest, which is really just only doing things that bring us into deeper connection with ourselves, heal our relationship with the earth, and deepen connection with one another as well. So I think that the Arete expedition is, you know, something that a lot of dads, I mean, I know a lot of people just feel, you know, feel similarly to, to me and in in feeling that our, our world's quite disconnected. Uh, I'm, we're really saddened by and angered by, outraged by ecological deterioration, concerned about climate change for ourselves and for our children. And we want to just have those conversations and not, not shy away from them um, and engage them you know, in a space that allows us to actually you know, transform those feelings into something that can um, revitalize and motivate us in our lives. A lot of the work that I, I guess I'm referencing, even in my language, goes back to Joanna Macy's work in the work that reconnects, which yeah. involves a spiral from coming from a place of gratitude as the first step to acknowledging our pain for the world. And that's something that for me, I would say, uh, participating in, in workshops, in the work that reconnects, reading Joanna Macy's books, they've helped me sit in that space of grief and sadness in a way that I'm not, is not comfortable or innate in my you know in my being and and so I'm learning how to how to do that but I really appreciate it because it allows us to 
and not skim the surface and really go go deeper. And I think when we really sit with it, you know, that feeling is should be quite universal for anyone that's paying attention. Uh, so feeling our grief for the world or feeling our pain for the world and then seeing with new eyes and the new eyes are concepts such as ecocentrism, such as, you know, alternative kind of community structures that we can develop and things like that. And then going forth, so coming back and returning to our ordinary lives. So it's a journey in a, in a bit of a I hesitate to use the vision quest word because I'm not necessarily a vision quest guide in that way, but it is, uh, you know, a retreat and a deep soul and ecocentric journey for fathers. And that's the work that I want to do, you know, and that's, that's, that's what Shannon and I are committed to right now. Beautiful. So beautiful. September 15 to 18. Yeah. Yeah. Put it on the calendar. Uh, It's exciting. You know, and I think I, it's something I do in my own life. I spend time in the mountains with good people and that's, you know, oftentimes rock climbing and doing uh, somewhat, somewhat big or sometimes silly adventures. And I I just want to do that with other, with other dads for for this. And, And it's hard to do. It's hard to find the time. I mean, it's hard to feel comfortable or confident or feel like, you know, on a very basic logistical level, feel like you can do it without putting someone else out. So I, so I really hope that this journey makes it easy for dads that would be interested to, to be able to do that for themselves and through themselves for their family and for their community and their, and their work. It sounds, I mean, so beautiful. And I, honestly, the only thing currently holding me back from, from being there is that my, my four-year-old is turning five on the 19th. And so it's like the weekend before his birthday, which might yeah. be when we end up celebrating his birthday. So I'm still trying to, to, to work out those details. It will be an um, honor to have you, Noah. Yeah. Thank you. It will be, it will be a delight. It mm-hmm. would be a delight to be there. And I think it's such a huge gift, this opportunity that you're creating. I'm in this men's group and we, we try to go on a backpacking trip every year and it doesn't have, doesn't happen every year, but many years it has happened. And there was one year in particular, it was our first year with two kids. So Zephyr was like maybe eight months old and I was leaving Rachel for a few days by herself with the two kids. Mm-hmm. And she was really encouraging and wanted me to go. And, but I was like, oh, is this, is this going to be okay? And, and I came back and first of all, she was like, it was okay. It was fine. Like I can handle the two kids for a few days by myself. That's part of being in a partnership and, and parenting is giving each other these opportunities. Yeah. But I was glowing. I was radiating mm-hmm. with, with my own presence and reconnection with myself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that in a way was like a gift to her and to the family. And the only reason I'm sharing this is because mm-hmm. I can think of dads out there who might be thinking, ah, how can I, can I ask my partner to watch the kids for that long? Mm-hmm. Or like, I haven't left my family for that many days or that many nights or, and um, yeah. And I just like, I think it's so important for a family to make certain decisions, make sacrifices for each other's partners. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I hope it's okay that I'm saying all of this, but it just felt important to, to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's these layers that are so important. One of them is 
investing in in yourself as a, as a father so yeah stepping out of the structure and routine the sort of habitual ways in which we are reflexive in our everyday you know groundhog day so one layer is just disrupting that right another layer is asking for what's needed like it's either asking for what we need or having the build up come out sideways and then then there's the the impact that retreat has meaning when i say retreat i mean uh, removing ourselves from the daily stimuli that we're accustomed to and then there's the impact that the natural world has so yeah i'm just really glad you're saying that noah because that's this it seems to be a real theme in council of fathers is dad saying mm. i'd love to but i you know i can't i can't ask right. for that yeah that's real and i i mean i know mothers partners feel that even stronger in a lot of ways from from my experience or from what i witness and it's yeah. it's i think fairly a, a fairly shared uh I don't know, second guessing, constriction, like how, how can I do this? And, and I would say that like at any, at any stage in life or any, any role that, you know, we find ourselves in being able to leave it and being able to get distance from it when the time is right, you know, because sometimes the time's not right, right. but when the time is right is so essential and it makes us come back to that you know, by leaving home, we know home better by leaving a certain routine. It allows us to find new ways to break patterns, to be more vital, to, to show up with more presence. And so, yeah, when the time is right, these kinds of things I think are fairly timeless and so healthy. One corollary that I was thinking of as I was planning this expedition as well as we were recently this past winter in Guatemala in a village on Lake Atitlan. And one of the families that we became good friends with, the father, Don Luis, who his kids are in their teens now. One day I, I saw him and he came back just looking like bright and glowing. And I was like, Don Luis, where, where have you been? And he was like, I, I was just up in the mountains for the last couple of days. I, there's, a, there's a cave, this special spot up there that I go to, to reflect and to clear my head. And, and I think it's something that's shared kind of across cultures and across genders where the need to retreat and to, but all, and also to have like a place that you go to uh, for him, it was like a secret place for him. It was like this cave. Mm. I was like, where is it? Is it up? Is it those caves? And he's like, no, no, no. It's way further. It's, it's way up in the mountains. You're like, you wouldn't be able to find it. You get lost. I'm like, okay, Don Luis. Yeah, fair enough. You know, but he goes there regularly as a dad soon as a grandfather, and that's his place to, to recharge. Uh, so I think I'm obviously both of you agree and I've heard you talk about it and, and the need for retreat and what it offers, but but yeah, I think if it's something that you agree to as a family and in partnership, it can only have rippling benefits for our, the long trajectory of our life together and as parents, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, yeah. it's, it's sort of like what the TV has become, right? Lying on the couch watching TV, I think is an attempt to retreat and maybe a failed attempt. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. it's lovely, but... Yeah. A cave sounds so much <laughs> more rejuvenating. Mm -hmm. That just reminded me of a little adventure I had 
around Lake Atitlan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) Got to relive that briefly. So I had that. I had the great privilege to go visit Tim and his family in uh, San Juan, La Laguna. Tim and I went out one night. It's funny to say that it's not like a there's there's no nightlife <laughs> scene, but Tim and his family had driven there, so so he had a car and storage and pulled out the car and we we went on a little journey and we were going back to the car and the car was <laughs> locked in in the in a parking lot of a church <laughs> and it was I don't know ten o'clock at night or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is dark there. It's late. Yeah, there aren't taxis. There, there aren't a lot of cars. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had a nice, nice walk together around a a chunk of Lake Atitlan at at night. And fortunately, Tim is fluent in Spanish, Um, and but not just fluent, but really conversational. Can speak with anybody about anything, and um, so got us home safely. But we definitely faced large packs of dogs, uh, wild dogs, who I think we were both terrified of. Yeah, it was, I mean, just one of those totally unexpected adventures that when presented with, they're just like, well, what are our options? I guess this is like the most desirable of a lot of unpleasant options. And the next town over, San Pablo, when it, we'd ask people in San Marcos, they'd be like, oh, no, you can't walk through there at this hour. That's, oh, no way. San Pablo, mm, that's in, <laughs> like, well, that's kind of what we have to do. And people were, people were fine as we walked through. But, you know, one of those things that can't be scripted and that turns out to be one of the more memorable, like bonding kinds of experiences that, that Dave and I have had. And definitely on that trip, it was, it was the biggest adventure and I appreciate it. Like you can't script that. You can't plan for that. No, no, we wouldn't have planned for that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I did have this moment, Tim. I gotta I gotta tell you that I was like, if I'm gonna be walking at night <laughs> along uh these dark roads with packs of dogs, I can't think of anyone I'd rather be with. <laughs> that just that touches situation. my heart, Dave. That's yeah. <laughs> well, I know your skill set and I know your ability to think on your feet and you have this way you're like you're calm in crisis yeah that's that's one of your gifts and Mm -hmm. you had a smile on your face the whole time we're facing wild dogs and um i had rocks in my hands personally but yeah i felt like all right at least i'm with tim yeah well good (laughs) it was mutual it was mutual because that kind of stuff can build you know energetically yeah but i want to point to something which is that I imagine that the, this group of fathers who are going to come on this adventure with you over the course of four days in September in the mountains, facing who knows what the weather will be, who you know, and and going through whatever activities are are facilitated, and then going into whatever spontaneous things arise i'm guessing these guys are going to come out with deep connections with each other and that's something we all need as 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 dads and that uh you know could potentially could potentially be something that 
continues on, right? Yeah. That, that one day, a month or two later, they're meeting up for a beer, kind of laughing at whatever mishaps or sort of adventures yeah. happened on this trip. Or maybe there's like one of those late night phone calls where it's like, do you have time to just help me right. figure this thing out? Because we just got into this huge blowout fight and I don't know who else to call right now. Yeah. Like, those kinds of, it, you know, yes, we have, some of us have those like long lasting friendships from a long, long time ago, but sometimes it's almost easier to build those connections quickly in one of these sort of more intense, intentional spaces. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I love that story. Yeah. That's great. I, I, I was wondering if you guys learned the secrets of a Titan Jaguar while you were um, <laughs> on that adventure. I don't know if either of you know that book, but uh, yeah, yeah. We're read quite a bit of Martin Frichtel and he definitely yeah. I mean his he's, stories were with us the whole time on Lake Atitlan and um yeah gosh the work he's doing is is so deep and yeah another one of those things you're like oh different life or with more time you know maybe it would just go like study uh -huh. with him and we have friends that are that are part Bullets of the kitchen. you know his Bullets kitchen but, yeah uh yeah he's an amazing Same. teacher and and wise human being so just to think of a couple of things that came up for me there no I really appreciate you bringing it back to the group that on the red expedition i think there's so many different ways that you can create that solidarity and they're playing music can do it together entering into those kind of uncertain creative spaces uh, circles and groups can do it really well you know it but anyway it requires us an intentional space a separation the, the right set and setting and this is, for me, from my perspective, I think there's a lot of people that would also feel this wild natural settings do that better than anything. And just the mundane walking on the trail, lacing up your shoes, putting the pack on, being bored on the trail. If you're, you know, if it's unusual for you to be walking in the natural world or being totally amazed by what you're seeing, but all those things just create um, a sense, yeah, a shared experience. Uh, in a group that's doing it together and just like a peeling back of the layers of like distraction that come into what I, what I would say oh. specifically city living. So, you know, so that, that is a hope that it can bring people closer together and. Oh, there's no um, cell service. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. Are we going to have oh, connection? <laughs> How are we going to find any connection out there? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it's so I think it's one way to do it. It's the way that really resonates for me. And I think the nature connection piece or the out wild spaces, I would say it's fairly universal. There's that nature medicine that that is universal. And then there's the piece of this, this type of program might not be for everyone, but, but I would hope that for the folks that come it, it is, and it's the right medicine. Um, and it can create that solidarity and that kind of, I think from my experience, both as a dad and as well as moving through a pandemic and so many of the, I guess, ways that um, our world kind of narrows as sometimes often as we get older, both because of our mindsets and because of our surroundings. It's so easy to, to, to sort of skate on the surface of things and in our social interactions. And you, and you all don't do it. You go deep. I mean, you're, this is deep work that you're doing and your groups are deep. But in general, I'm saying in general, you know, interactions and in day-to-day -day circumstances, it's, that's, the, that's the norm, you know? Um, and we need to crack that open. And, and there's so many ways to crack it open. 
and being in the mountains on an adventure in September where it could snow and where you might get muddy and cold and food might, you know, not come out as you expected and you're able to be by yourself. You're able to be with others and and so many different contexts over a four day period with an intention, with that intention of specifically the work that reconnects, reflecting on the work that we're doing as humans on the planet, in our families, as fathers. Uh, yeah, hopefully there's solidarity and a, and a bit of, you know, and rejuvenation for, for folks that come along. I love it. Yeah. Will you paint the, just what are the days going to look like? You wake up, there's you're hoping for nine fathers yeah for a minimum impact camping kind of you know approach tens a large group size and so smaller would be even better but up to 10 and the pattern the spiral of the work that reconnects guides the theme of each day so i think it's important that you know noah mentioning all that is needed to allow us to leave for four days deserves so much gratitude and ceremony and whatever modest attempts at reciprocity we can muster through blessings of of gratitude with our partners, with our children, with other folks that might make this possible. The gratitude's the start of the spiral. And so the first day there's that departure with gratitude and moving into the mountains. It'll be a base camp program. So for the three nights, it'll be base camp not a, not a terribly hard hike. It's, there's not, you know, huge physical challenges necessarily that are, that are required in any reasonably fit adult father should be able to, to participate. The hike might be four miles or so to a base camp. So a lot of the days will be just occupied by the kind of mundane activity of self-care, moving on a trail together, setting up camp, cooking, and things like that. The next day is feeling our pain for the world, which one option would be to to hike up in the higher mountains, potentially climb a peak. There's some kind of ridge climbs and really exhilarating types of climbs that can be done there. And those will also be with the intention of connecting with our grief and our pain for the world. There's a phenomenon in the Andes, in the central Andes, where people bring rocks up the mountains, actually in the Himalayas as well with prayers, but bring rocks up to the top of a mountain and create rock piles called apachetas, which literally means a burden, leaving behind a burden. So at any rock pass or any summit, there's rocks that are left. And so that kind of like moving over a pass, moving up a summit, we can see as, as carrying and then leaving a burden, which mm-hmm. metaphorically, you know, it's easy to draw the connection to, to the grief and the pain that we feel for the world. Yeah. Uh, through solos and sit spots and things like that the next day we would hope to focus on seeing with new eyes so some of that will be like participant led if if participants want to have a full day or an overnight solo they they may or if they want to just wake up at dawn and have a sit spot to you know see that hear the dawn chorus of of the birds that'll probably be leaving the mountains at that time or elk as they're passing through that would be day three and then day four is returning home with intentions and using ceremony and engaged conversations to to transfer the, the experience back home and throughout really depending on the group but we really hope that there's music and writing and poetry and other ceremony throughout to you know to carry us as well incredible yeah beautiful i love it yeah come along 
Yeah, there might be there might be two spots filled up here, folks, already. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so beautiful offerings all around, Tim. Um, I'm psyched about this one, and I'm just like love watching what you're up to in the world, and appreciate you, appreciate what you're doing, and who oh. you are. Thank you, and yeah, right back at both of you. I mean, I I feel like. I've been able to listen to every episode you put out and it almost always arrives at the right time. Listening to, to Jeff and the music and nature education as well. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so perfect. Like that's, that's, <laughs> they're really, really tuned into something, you know, so smart and so engaging with kiddos. And I, and I love Jeff and Paige as well. And, and obviously like the soul centric work that Bill Plotkin's doing on your other, you know, soul centric parenting podcast. That's just I feel like your nugget, the nuggets you're dropping are just always arriving at the right time. I make my, I make, I do a lot of fermenting sauerkraut and, and kombucha and things at night. And I'm, I, that's when I listen to podcasts and yeah, I mean, they come at like hard days where you offer like kind of that, that mirror for me to be able to reflect on how I'm doing, how I've shown up during the day. And that's sort of like the foundation that I, that I always really appreciate is, is just the reminder that, that our self-work is the is the foundation for everything. And I find myself yeah, at the end of hard days, just kind of like, yeah, there it is again. All right. <laughs> let's, let's try again tomorrow. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it is, there's this, so this synergy with the work that you all are doing that I really, really appreciate. Um, and look forward to continuing that as, as you all go forth as well. Yeah. And learning from you all. Thank you. Thank you so Likewise. Yeah. 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 Just as we wrap things up, I'm wondering if you can, share with everybody how they can get in touch with you yeah so again yeah my name's tim Hare. shannon and i run as a community initiative program called left to wonder which houses a lot of the different functions that we're hosting uh, including the nature connection programs for kiddos and the red expedition the uh, web address is www.lefttowonder.org and our email there is info.lefttowonder at gmail.com. As you can see, we're trying really hard not to run a business. Mm. Uh, we're really <laughs> trying to stay on the margins and keep it fun. Keep it fun. So everything's very, very basic. We don't do a lot of outreach. We don't do a lot of promotion, but you can find us there and love to hear from you. Yeah, have a look at the, at the website. The offering is on there under the rights and retreats tab the red expedition is as well as the wonder nature connection programs that we're that we're hosting in the summertime we're in our last week right now so have a look out for for next summer's offerings sometime around the new year and i'd love to hear from you thank you beautiful and one last question that we're trying we're trying to remember to ask each guest which is just what's one nugget you might offer a dad, you know, something you've learned from your journey as a dad that you would want to pass on to others. Yeah. Gosh, there's so, like, it's so hard to find those like universals. Every, 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 everything's so subjective, especially when it comes to parenting. So we all kind of bring our history and life experience and biases and baggage to it. I think one thing I struggle with a lot 
you know, maybe as a dad, there could be some gendered aspects to it and kind of acculturation, but I struggle with this need to have a plan or to have things figured out or be in control. And one thing that I've been working on a lot, and I think the journey over the last two years has been a really good kind of trial space for it is to, to lean into the possibility or the very, or the likelihood or the certainty that we don't have much figured out and that sometimes fathering pushes us towards this need for security or predictability, sometimes justify it as that's what our family needs. It's the, it's in their benefit and yeah, letting go of that certainty and the need to have the right plan. Yeah, I think it can help us be better parents and definitely better stewards of the earth, living with more humility and openness to, to being wrong or maybe not having the right plan or the right idea hmm. all the time. I love it. Yeah, thank you too. for that. Thank oh, you thank so you all. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to ferment that one for myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah healthy amount of rot and decay and, and <laughs> fermentation there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we end, Noah. Yeah. We've yeah. got we've got a little offering coming up as well, we don't do. we? Yeah. We do. We do. Yeah. Could pair nicely um, with a ret. Could it could, uh, could be a nice it could go together like uh, peanut butter and jelly. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I'll what do we get what, <laughs> <laughs> what do we got mr peanut um, butter so our um our nine-month cohort program is starting this fall this september uh the second week of september and it's nine months we meet twice a month for a couple hours on a wednesday evening from 7 30 to 9 30 and we we drop in as a group of dads opening up you know, our hearts connecting with each other, getting the load off, maybe learning a thing or two, taking some some tricks and going home to our families more resourced, more connected, more confident. And so all the information for that is at our website, uh, counselfathers.com. I don't know if there's anything you want to add. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, like we were saying the other night, it feels like Council of Fathers 2.0 you know it's like the cohort program 2.0 uh up leveled so it's going to be a really special group of guys coalescing yeah it's in person at a very special place off a of left-hand canyon sweet thank you tim thank, thank you, you all so much what a and gift what an honor thank you yeah all right all right y'all thank you so much for listening and we will see you hear you next time. Peace.